Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind of stories? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievable stories. Today's story is particularly fascinating for me because it combines a lot of the things that I have an interest in such as books, murders and books that inspired murders. It's quite a wild story. And here's how it goes. The story starts in 1929 in Australia. Okay? Where in a particular part of Australia called the Murchison and in the Murchison we're in a section that's part of the Australian outback. Now the outback is this arid desert-like region which has very sparse vegetation. Okay? It's remote it's isolated and it's dry earth and scraggly bush extending for miles in every direction it is in this part of the murchison that you will find something called the number 1 rabbit proof fence what is this let me tell you so at one point in australia they had a huge rabbit problem the reason they had this rabbit problem was because in 1859 one man had brought 13 rabbits from europe and set them loose in australia for the purposes of hunting now rabbits were particularly well suited to australia and they're ferocious breeders so in less than 50 years these 13 rabbits had copulated so much that there were rabbits all over the continent it became such a big problem because these rabbits started eating up the vegetation and the crops so much so that they started leading to soil erosion in a desperate attempt to keep these rabbits from invading from the east to the west the australian government decides to build a fence along the length of australia this giant fence was built in three parts number 1 rabbit proof fence number 2 and number 3 okay this fence is 3200 kilometers long now when you build a fence this long you also have to maintain it and it takes a heck of a lot of people to maintain it and that's where arthur upfield comes in in 1929 arthur upfield was an upcoming novelist he had written three books that had met modest success now if you ask any writer they will tell you that modest success basically means financially poor so In search of work and inspiration, Arthur Upfield finds himself in the Murchison, and he gets work as a boundary rider. A boundary rider is basically a person who goes up and down the length of the rabbit-proof fence and fixes and maintains it. He used to do this riding in a buggy that was drawn by two camels. He used to stay in the Murchison at a place called the Camel Station. The camel station is a government-owned facility where they used to breed camels so that they could work in the outback. And he used to stay at the station in the company of the overseer of the station, a man called George Ritchie. Now, it's a very lonely existence. There's very few people around. In fact, the only company you had were the people who used to work at the station and occasionally the floating population of people who would pass by looking for work. So you can imagine how valuable and memorable any form of human contact was. For example, this one day a man comes in, his name was Snowy Rolls, and he asked for work. While 
uh, Arthur Upfield and George Ritchie are contemplating this. Snowy sees that there's a horse that's misbehaving. The livestock man can't control it. So then Snowy walks over and says, can I have a go? And within minutes, he's happily sitting atop the horse. This helps Arthur Upfield and George Ritchie make up their mind and they recommend him to a station nearby. He keeps dropping in and he's a fun, lively and reliable guy. And most importantly, he keeps away the loneliness at Camel Station. It's around this time that Arthur Upfield decides that he wants to write his next book. Okay, He is going to write a murder mystery starring his fictional detective Napoleon Bonaparte or as he's known, Boni. This fictional detective is basically a half-white and half-indigenous man who is essentially a Sherlock Holmes variant in Australia. And this time, Arthur Upfield has decided that he's going to give Boni a real challenge. By the 1920s, the formula for a murder mystery had already been perfected. You know what the format is, right? A body is found very early on in the story. And then the detective spends the rest of the story figuring out who did this person in. Arthur Upfield had an idea. The idea was he was going to challenge Detective Boni by giving him a unique case. A case where the criminal has disposed of the body so well that there isn't a trace of it to be found. So now the detective not only has to find out who committed the crime but also prove that the crime was committed in the first place. It's a good idea and like with any good idea, it's relatively easier to come up with it than it is to execute it. And Arthur Upfield now has the problem of coming up with a way of disposing a body so well that not a trace of it can be found. And try as he might, he just can't solve the problem. So Arthur Upfield decides that he is going to ask for help. One night, as he's playing cards with George Ritchie, he asks him this question. He says, look, I'm you know, looking for a murder plot. The idea is that you have to destroy a body so that no evidence of it can be found. And to his surprise, George Ritchie leans in and says, oh, that's simple. All you have to do is lure a man to the outback, shoot him dead, burn his body, and then come back when the fire is cold Sift the ashes for bone fragments and metals. Throw the metals down a well and the bone fragments you put in a dolly pot and you crush it and then you scatter it to the wind. Then to disguise the fire you shoot some kangaroos and burn them at the same spot. Now you can imagine the tingle that went down Arthur Upfield's spine as he heard George Ritchie just unspool the perfect murder plot. If I was listening to it, I would have definitely asked him, Kiskomara. But Arthur Upfield also recognizes that this is a great plot and he doesn't want to let go of it by asking pesky questions. So Arthur Upfield uh, has got the solution to his first problem, which is how to dispose of a body perfectly. But then he runs up against the second problem. The method George Ritchie has told him was effective. In fact, it was so effective that now... He can't find a way for his fictional detective to solve it. So he starts thinking about it and again he can't come up with a solution. So again he goes to George Ritchie and he says, George, I'm going to give you a pound, which was a lot of money back then. He says, I'm going to give you a pound. 
tell me how will i crack this case so the two men sit down and start discussing it okay the discussion goes long into the night but neither men can solve this conundrum the only cases they manage to crack that night are those of beer and then a few days later while arthur upfield is taking care of his camel whose name was curly suddenly boom he gets the solution and this is very typical by the way of all creative ideas right where you sit at your desk and you try to come up with a creative idea and it just doesn't happen but the minute you start clearing your cupboard boom all the ideas that you've never had at once and that's what it was like for arthur upfield as well he's taking care of curly and then suddenly he gets a solution to his book now i'm not going to tell you what the solution was because i want you to read his book okay look i have written a book and i support all authors living and dead so please check it out because i'm certain it took a lot of effort to write because this guy used to spend his day at the rabbit proof fence and then come back in the night and write it finally he's able to finish it it gets published and the book is called the sands of windy the book comes out and it does pretty well arthur is pretty happy with the outcome but then things take an unexpected turn soon after the release of the book arthur upfield is visited by a policeman the cop introduces himself and then he tells him an incredible story he tells him that he is investigating the disappearances of three men in the murchison area the men's names are james ryan and george lloyd who disappeared together and then a little while later a man called louis caron also vanished now while they were searching the area they came across an abandoned hut and there they found the remains of louis caron he had been killed and then burnt on questioning people in the area they had found out about the author arthur upfield and his quest for a murder plot they had read his book the sands of windy and they realized that louis caron had been killed and disposed of in exactly the same way as was mentioned in the book what's more louis caron had been murdered before the book was published what's more more james ryan and george lloyd had also passed through camel station and had met arthur upfield Upfield immediately realizes the implications of what the cop is saying and quickly he says look the book is mine but the plot isn't this plot was given to me by a man called george ritchie so the two of them go to ritchie and the cops interrogate him ritchie immediately denies any wrongdoing says i have nothing to do with it and after a little bit of investigation even the cops can't find a single shred of evidence linking ritchie to the crime but the two men arthur upfield and george ritchie now start thinking back to the time when they were discussing the murder plot that night when they discussed it long into the night over beers they realize that that night the two men weren't alone there were a bunch of people and they list their names and finally they mention a man called snowy rolls and when they mention snowy rolls the detectives perk up because this name is familiar to them snowy rolls was the man last seen with 
James Ryan and George Lloyd, and then later with Louis Caron. Here's what they knew. James Ryan and George Lloyd had left along with Snowy Rolls in James Ryan's truck. Their job was to put up a fence in one section of the outback. When the supervisor of this fence had come to check up on them a few days later, he found at the station that Snowy Rolls was alone. When he inquired about the other men, Snowy told him that they've left in the outback for work. Satisfied with the answer, the supervisor had left. And that's the last time he even saw Snowy Rolls. However, Snowy was later seen in possession of that truck by a lot of people. In fact, he had also been seen with the truck by Arthur Upfield. And Arthur had questioned him that, hey, this is James's truck, what are you doing with it? And Snowy had told him that James Ryan had sold him the truck before leaving the area. Curiously, he had told other people differing stories. Later, he had met Louis Caron, a man looking for work, and the two of them had left together in search of work. And that's the last time anyone saw Louis Caron. Thankfully, Louis Caron had been a prolific letter writer, and his friend had contacted the cops when he stopped getting replies from Louis Caron. That's when the cops had started investigating, and at the abandoned hut, they had found his remains. Satisfied that Snowy Rolls could be a potential suspect, the cops decide to arrest him. They dress up as bushmen and they go to a ranch where they've heard that this guy is working. And there they ambush him and arrest him. And that's where the final twist in the story takes place. Because when the cop sets eyes on Snowy Rolls, he recognizes him immediately as an escaped convict called John Thomas Smith. John Thomas Smith had been arrested for burglary and he had been put in prison and there, awaiting trial, he had managed to bust his way out, steal a horse and ride to freedom into the night. He had managed to make his way to the Murchison area where he changed his name to Snowy Rolls and began looking for work. Arthur Upfield and George Ritchie cannot believe that the funny, reliable and hard-working man they knew as Snowy Rolls was actually an escaped convict. They had happily discussed the perfect murder plot in front of a man who was looking for just such a thing. Because Snowy Rolls was tired of working in the outback. He wanted money quickly and that's why he had lured three men to their deaths. With James Ryan and George Lloyd, he had followed the plot of the book perfectly. There was not a single trace of the two men's bodies to be found. But with Louis Garin, he had made a mistake. He had forgotten a few steps. Here's what had happened. He had lured Louis Caron into the outback, shot him dead, burnt his body. And then to disguise the fire, he had burnt some kangaroos on top of it. But the steps he forgot was to come back and sift the ashes for bone fragments and metal. And that's why in that fire pit, there were bone fragments of a human skull and a ring that was worn by Louis Caron. And so Arthur Upfield finds himself testifying in court against a man who committed three serial murders using a plot from his book. Rolls is eventually found guilty and executed. And so ends one of the worst episodes of life imitating art. So that's the story. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please leave a like and a comment. I promise you I read all the comments, especially the good ones.
If you enjoyed the series, then also share it with other people you think might enjoy it. It really, really helps and I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, as usual, this series is brought to you by my career. If you'd like to support my career, then check the description for links of shows I might be doing soon. If you're in Mumbai on the 19th of December, I'll be performing live and in the flesh in Bandra. So you can get tickets by checking out the description. Uh, link is there. Until next time, bye-bye.